In 2020, the CDC reported that approximately one in 54 children in the U.S. is diagnosed with an autism spectrum disorder, according to 2016 data. Boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed with autism than girls. Most children were still being diagnosed after age four, though autism can be reliably diagnosed as early as age two. Autism affects all ethnic and socioeconomic groups. Minority groups tend to be diagnosed later and less often. Early intervention affords the best opportunity to support healthy development and deliver benefits across the lifespan. There is no medical detection for autism. Welcome to Motherhood, Money, and Mental Health. Today is episode six, and we are, we are joined, we're going to be joined today by a very incredible mom. She's going to tell us her story about her journey as a mother living with a child with ASD. My name is Wadi. And my name is Sammy. And we are excited to welcome you to our show, Emma. Emma, Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Emma and I, Emma, Ven, and I have been knowing each other forever. We went to school together in Liberia. We went to convent. We were classmates uh, for a long time. And um, even after I came to the States, you know, we, you know, we started seeing each other because she doesn't live too far from Minnesota. And no. she's always up here visiting. And so uh, we've had the opportunity to see each other and hang out again. So Emma May, thank you so much for joining us and, to, um, and for sharing your journey with us today. Um, you are so uh, do, can you just tell us a little bit about you and your, your beautiful family? Definitely. So um, my name is Emma May Harris, uh, married Vin. Uh, like Sammy said, I've been knowing her for ever since we're teenagers um, at St. Teresa's Convent. Um, moved to the United States and got married in 2002. It took me and my husband approximately about six, seven years before we could have kids. And I was just grateful. We were just grateful to have just one. Um, Makai was born 2009. And we were elated because um, God had blessed us. I didn't think anything but God because um, doctors had told me that I was not physically able to have children. So um, we have Micaiah, and the meaning of Micaiah is who is like God. Mm -hmm. And uh, five years later, minding my own business, <laughs> <laughs> Abigail came along. And um, Abigail is one special kid. Uh, mm. She is five years old, and Abigail was diagnosed with autism. Okay. So, so tell us about how, how you found out. How was your pregnancy, you know, the whole pregnancy, and then, you know, how did you guys come to find out that she, she had autism? So um, I didn't have any problems with my pregnancy. With uh, Makaya, I did the first uh, one. I had um, close to my delivery, I had uh, a problem where my tubes, the Philipp, not the Philippian tubes, but it erupted, it separated, the placenta separated, and I had to be rushed into um, labor and delivery. 
So with Makai, because of that, the doctors didn't want me to have the same problem with Abigail. But my entire um, nine months was fine. Abigail was a, nothing normal. We took her to all her appointments. Um, we checked all the sheets, all the questions. Was she meeting her milestones? Everything checked out right. Um, in 2017, I remember exactly it was in July, I was working with um, Farmers Insurance. And during my downtime, I decided to go on the employee um, um, page and start reading some information about what's going on. And I came across this employee story, and she was talking about some of the things that her son had been going through, and never have I heard about autism. And then as I was reading the story, she had some things that she was checking off, like these are things to look out for. And then it dawned on me, like, hmm, maybe Abby has this. Hmm. Because prior to that, my sister, when Abby turned two, Abby used to say hello when daddy got home. She would run up to her daddy. She used to say mommy. She knew Micaiah's name. So everything looked fine. But then she stopped regressing. She wasn't saying those things. We didn't pay anything any attention to it. We realized that Abby liked the Jenga blocks. Abby would take the Jenga blocks and line it up by the fireplace. And if one block was out of line, mm. it would make her so upset. She would cry, fall to the ground, scream, and then she would break everything and start all over. So we teased and said, oh, we're going to have an engineer on our hands. And then every Sunday, we would go to my mother's house and have family dinner. And my sister asked one time, she's like, what kind of girl is this that when you call her name, she doesn't respond? So we laugh at it, oh, leave her alone, she's still a kid. And then when I came across this episode, and she always did this thing with her finger where she would stand there and twirl her finger, and I didn't know that was a sign of autism. And then I started reading when I read this article from this coworker of mine, and then it dawned on me like, hmm, you know what? This sounds just like Abigail. She twirls her finger. She likes to build things, and it has to be in order. She's not talking. She doesn't pay attention, make eye contact. Mm. She doesn't call, listen to her name, or she doesn't pay attention when people call her. So I immediately called um, the following day. I called her doctor, and she was like, you know, I've never noticed it either, so bring her in. And we took her in. Doctors did the, um, went over the little test. Is she saying yes, no? Is she doing this? Is she doing that? And then things started checking off, like, Hmm, she's not doing this anymore. Okay, no, she's not doing it. So she was like, well, I recommend that you take her to the children's hospital where they can do more tests mm -hmm. to put her in that bracket. And then we followed along and did that. And eventually she came back having autism spectrum disorder. How old with communication was she at this point? Social. How old was she at um, this point? She was about two years and four or five months. Okay. I know you've heard of the research out there about autism or ASD and the MMR vaccine. That sounds just about the age that that vaccine will be given. What do you feel about that and how do you feel like that has anything to do with your family situation? You know, <laughs> I try not to put it on vaccine because people say that it does not affect vaccine, does not have anything to do with autism. Mm -hmm. but um, one time she was delayed on her vaccine. 
and I took Abigail to take her vaccine, and the doctor gave her four shots, two on one thigh and two on the other thigh. And I never paid any attention to it, did the normal routine, did the medicine so she doesn't have fever, but it was at two years old. And before I said, Abby was meeting all her milestones. So I want to say, but then again, people claim that vaccine doesn't affect or have any relationship with autism. So I just stopped shy of making that connection. Yeah. So for those who are listening and they're not um, sure what we're talking about is the measles, mump, and rubella vaccine that children typically take around age two. Um, research <laughs> is inconclusive. I mean, there are some that support the idea that the MMR vaccine is directly related or correlated to kids um, becoming or having the diagnosis, the ASD diagnosis. And then there's some, there's some out there that says that um, it's not really um, related. And, you know, different families have different testimonies. Only the families, I believe, um, can truly tell you what happened to their children and can truly make that connection. Um, right. It's possible. It is. And I, like I said, I stopped shy of that. And since then, I refuse to give any of my kids any more vaccines. Yeah. And that can be very traumatic, too. I mean... Once you, you know, and most children and most families in the situation would say, like Emma just explained, that their children were doing fine. You know, they could, mm -hmm. they could talk, they had words, they were making progress in a lot of areas, meeting all their developmental milestones. But mm -hmm. then, you know, right at that point, they start regressing and they start losing language and they start losing, you know, those things that um, make them develop into neurotypical children. Mm -hmm. So there's some piece of information to add in there. So Emma, once yeah, you... And Go ahead. I was going to say, um, for some people that probably don't know what autism is, um, just want to tell them that it's a developmental um, delay um, with kids. Um, like we were talking about the milestone, meeting the milestones. And um, as another thing, I realized that when she, I found out that she had autism, it was like I try to compare some things Makaya was doing at this age and mm -hmm. some things that is not happy is not meeting. And it, I have to stop and say, mm -hmm. well, realize there are two different kids. Mm -hmm. You cannot, because we as parents, especially if you have over uh, two or more kids, you want to compare them. You want to say this one does this one and this one ought to be doing this. But at the end of the day, they're two separate, two totally different kids. And I had to realize that she has a problem, I cannot compare her with her sister. And even with children who have ASD, the, 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 the data and research says that no two children are the same. You know, the way one will, you know, the, the behaviors and the struggles one child will have will be completely different from another. And it's a spectrum. So kids are, um, they have different symptoms along that spectrum. They can go from mild to, yeah. you know, so where was Abby or where is she on the spectrum? I did not get a, I don't remember what number because they have numbers. I don't remember what number it was. But when they tested her, she has vocabulary. However, she does not ha know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. So you will have a typical five-year-old that will ask you questions that is um, inquisitive. 
Um, Abby is not that type of five-year-old, a five-year-old that are quick to go out there and play with other five-year-olds. Um, she's not that type of five-year-old. Um, her sister was like that at first. She cried a lot because Abigail would not play with her. Mm. She wanted to have interaction with Abigail, and Abigail was a antisocial kid. She wanted to do things by herself. So um, the words are there, but she doesn't know how to vocabularize, uh, vocabularize those term words. Um, she comes up with her own words. Mm. Um, we've learned, we're learning to adapt to some things that we know as um, one thing, but to Abigail, she calls it something else. So we have to figure out what her, what is going on in her low mind, what she wants to communicate, that we have to figure that out instead of her figuring out what we're trying to say. What's your favorite? Mm-hmm. I know they have, they, they say a lot of, you know, like you're saying, she makes up her own way and way of speaking. So I know you got her and you understand what she's saying. What's your favorite um, term that she's used that you, you know, you kind of used in your yeah, family? <laughs> so I, we make collars, right? And we're in the car and she's like, I want, it was lunchtime. I take her from school and take her to therapy. So it was in between the time I'm taking her from school to therapy and it was lunchtime. And she's like, I want pepper poppers. <laughs> and I'm like, pepper poppers? Yeah, like pepper, you don't eat pepper. What, what is pepper poppers? I couldn't figure it out. So I'm giving her every little thing I had in the car and it was not pepper poppers. So a day or two later, I'm fixing Kala in the, in the, in the kitchen and she comes around, she said, I want pepper poppers. And she picked up the collar. And it was like, oh, so <laughs> this is what pepper poppers is. And then when something upsets her, she says, bath time. But we know it's not bath time. It's something else. But she claims it's bath time mm-hmm. when she's upset. The only thing that comes out is bath time. And it's not bath time. It's either she's hungry or she's ready to go to bed. That's cool. I like pepper poppers myself. I think I'm gonna. <laughs> I like the word. I mean, I like the expression. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Emma May, how would you say Abby's diagnosis changed uh, your family dynamics? Like, how did cha- uh, things change for you guys at home? You know, it changed a lot because um, initially my mom was helping me take care of Abby when uh, Abby was, uh, be- before she turned two, my mom used to help us babysit Abigail. And then at the same time Abby got diagnosed, my mom found out she had um, thyroid cancer. So immediately I was like, I have to quit my job. No ifs, ands, or but about it. I had to quit. And then having to navigate, like where do you start? Who do you call? Uh, I have no clue where to go. And the doctors, they give you all this information. It was so overwhelming. I had like a thick book. Like they wanted you to read about what autism was and all these numbers that you had to call. And that was so overwhelming. It was like, just send me to one person and how can this person help me? And we'll go Mm -hmm. from there. And as a mother, you want to help your child. Um, But you find out that people that have children with autism, all the love cannot help them. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how much you shatter them with love. It does not help. They need therapy. 
and I had to make sure we found therapy for her. And another thing, I'm spontaneous. I'll get up today and be like, mm, let's go down, let's, let's go this place, or today we're just going to do this. But people, kids with autism, they need strict structure and uh, uh, routine. Exactly. And I'm not the kind of person, so I have to learn to make sure I have her on schedule. And sometimes we fall off the schedule so many times, but just the idea, we have to make sure there is schedule that we have to follow for her to get a um, comfortable with it and know what we're doing. So, yes, it's changed. With The food has changed. I mean, I was, at one point in time, I was reading so many things, and I wanted to do it this way, and uh, I would call my husband. When I read stuff, I'll call him, James, okay, they said we should take her off of milk. And then I would stop buying everything dairy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I stopped buying everything dairy and try to put her on a specific diet. But she got used to yogurt and cheese, and it was hard. But when I did it for a month or two, I noticed that she was regulated. She was going to the bathroom. She was fun. She would play. Um, but then that diet got expensive. And then I found a holistic doctor, and they said we need to do the blood work. And the blood work is going to be anywhere from – 100 to 250 $300, and I'm like, okay. I called my husband, okay, let's do the blood work. He followed me when we did the blood work. Unbeknownst to us, we had to go back for the report, the results. We called the doctor. Well, the resort, you, result, you're going to have to pay anywhere between 250 to $1,000. I'm like, y'all crazy. What? <laughs> yes. Just we for the results? Yes, just to get the results. We have to pay that much. I was like, at least if you tell me a, 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 a $100, $200 ratio, it sounds better. But you can't say from 200 to $1,000. That's huge. So he was like, you know what? This is going to be very expensive. Because after that, they said she needed to go into that chamber. And they clear her oxygen. And it purifies this and this chamber. It's going to be so much for an hour, and she needs over 1,200 hours to be in the hyper- yes, in this chamber. And mm-hmm. when I added it up and told my husband, he was like, you know what? I know you want the best for her, but we cannot do that. And it wasn't even guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was something we just had to do, the therapy. It's unfortunate how, um, you know, doctors... People, you know, even therapists, some people, they just kind of exploit families. Own ability, their desperation to want to get the best for their child. And they kind of prey on that and they keep, you know, um, inventing and bringing in all kinds of different methods. You know, interestingly, I was just having a conversation yesterday with a friend of mine who um, has her daughter as well has autism. And in fact, she was my first employer in 2000. Mm the year 2000. So I I was employed as her daughter's um, PCA at that time. I was, I don't know, in college way back. Um, And we were just talking about different friends of hers that have had, you know, their children go through different things. And I remember a family who they were, they were very well off um, and they spent millions of dollars on their son and trying to get him all these different help and different doctors introduce a bunch of different things. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think what was most important was just love, you know, patience, you know, mm-hmm. consistency, mm-hmm. structure and routine. 
Not that yeah. there aren't help and different things. There are, but you know, it it was just sad and heartbreaking to me. I remember them flying this kid like outside of the country, different places, yeah. trying to get help based on different doctors' recommendations, and it was just all exploitation. After a while, I felt, you know, yeah, um, there are help out there. Obviously, you know that. Um, yeah, but I, it is. I'm glad that you and you and your husband are doing this together, and you're kind of communicating about what you're doing, um, you know, and kind of making choices that's best for your family, the financial situation and all of that, because um, following all these different rabbit holes, sometimes, you know, it just leaves families broken, broke. Yeah. Sometimes parents end up in divorce because of all that. Yeah. Glad you guys have that teamwork and you're kind of working on it together. Exactly. Because at first I thought uh, it was just me because I would cry sometimes. And um, when she's fighting and scratching and kicking, it's like, I'll look at my husband and be like, don't you get affected by it? I mean, you take it so calmly. And he's like, and he broke down one day to me. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. He's he's feeling that thing too. I mean, to see him cry and talk about what he's going through inside, not the men are not, they don't show it, but he was telling how he hurt too because, watching Abby call, um, going through this, you want a, the child to say mommy, you want the child to say daddy, and here's a kid, you come and you're waiting for a hug, and they just act like they don't see you, and they walk right past you. It's like, hmm, give me a hug, and she doesn't even understand what the hug meant. And those were uh, some of the real hard things that we had to deal with and accept. So, so both of you talked about uh, therapy. What's, what does that look like for a five-year-old, you know, for that baby? What does therapy look like? I mean, she's been going through it now for the last three years, so yeah, she yeah, understands. Younger, yeah. Yeah. So she knows what therapy is. I mean, we take her early in the morning. The bus picks her up. The teacher has they got accustomed to what they need to do on the classwork. And they show work that she's been doing. And it's like, oh, wow, Abby did that. And they're like, yes, she did. And she will request stuff. They got the computer where they can touch what they want, and the computer will say it for them. And then they teach them how to hold hands because she needs um, she needs communication, she needs social, and she needs occupational therapy. So they teach them all those things in school and at ABA. So at least with that, the only problem is with this corona going on, everything mm-hmm. shut down. Oh, yeah. It makes it hard because my fear is she will regret. Because I don't I'm not a therapist. Yeah. I can only do what I can do, but they had the knowledge and the know how how to after fifteen minutes or so I get frustrated because she's not doing what I'm wanting her to do. And oh, after ten minutes she's doing something else. I've lost her interest. But they are the professionals. They know how to do it. So that's frustrating on my part. But I try my best to keep her going so she don't lose what she's learning. But are you getting any kind of support during this time, though, like something to help you while you guys are at home? The school will send um, work to do. Oh, okay. But as far as from her autism uh, behavior therapies, I'm not getting anything from there. So I'm just reading on talking to other parents that I know that have kids with autism, like, what are you doing during this time to help the kid? Or um, one thing she likes is music. I must tell you, she likes music. She will sing any song. So I have her in piano lessons 
And that's the only other form of therapy she has by um, doing um, Zoom with the piano yeah. teacher. Yeah. And then they do the therapy, and she loves that. Other than that, it's, it's hard. She loves music. Let me interject real quick. To go back to semi therapy or psychology is a, is a broad um, discipline, right? Right, right. And in that, when we think therapy, maybe we think about talk therapy, lay on the couch and tell me your problems and let's work through this. That's not that kind of therapy mm -hmm. um, um, Abby will be getting. There is something called occupational therapy where they teach them um, how to use their gross motors, their bodies, and, you know, to kind of make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're the, um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? But teaching them how to use gross motor skills. Right. And there's, they teach them fine motor skills. And then there is like um, sensory uh, therapy where they kind of teach their bodies to be able to adjust a touch. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Then there is, um, but what she's mostly um, probably having is behavioral therapy, behavior therapy, so that they use a different kind of um, applied behavior analysis. So they use um, reinforcement yeah. and um, different things in order to get them to give a, a preferred response. So it's mostly a therapist, a person that's there. And I did this for like five years. I was a behavior therapist. Um, gotcha. But I, um, it's just mostly using the, the stimulus, the stimuli in the environment and different things to get her to kind of do certain preferred responses. So for example, one of the, the hardest things that children diagnosed with ASD might struggle with is eye contact. Um, yeah. And then just people as you're talking to them. So they use reinforcing things. So if, if your reinforcement is music, um, they will try to keep encouraging her to look you in the eye. And when she gets, when you get that eye contact or anything that looks like an eye contact or her face turning towards you initially, um, she gets reinforced. She'll get like a music, a time with her music and it continues to build up and then the criteria changes. So then she's actually looking at you and she's actually being reinforced. So it's a different type of therapy, mm -hmm. not necessarily what you and I would know to be therapy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But just for other people out there listening to. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Big Sister. How has she been? I know you talked a little bit about how, you know, she would get frustrated that Abby wouldn't play with her. Um, how are things with her now? And, you know, you hear a lot of times when people have a baby, have a, a have one child and you bring another baby home, you know, how kids behave, they're jealous. And, and I can only imagine, you know, taking all of this time and, you know, because you're trying to help Abby, right? You look at Makai, yeah. like, you know, you're fine. You have everything. <laughs> you can do all of these things, you know, and you tend to focus on, I can, you know, you tend to focus on one child, on Abby, right? How has yeah. that been, um, in your house with Micaiah? You know, I, strange enough to say, Micaiah, is, she is a big, a really sweet big sister. Mm -hmm. From the time um, when we had Abigail the first time, she couldn't wait to come to the hospital to meet Abigail. We brought Abigail home. We were just teasing the other day that every 10 or 15 minutes, she didn't want to sleep. She wanted to go and see what we're doing with the baby. And throughout, she's learned what um, um, autism is, and the older she is, she's actually telling me, mommy, patience. And um, another thing, we went to a therapy session the other day, just before the, the corona thing hit, and they were telling us some of the things you can do with her, and you take deep breaths when the kid is, um, is having meltdowns, and Abby was doing one the other day, and Makai was like, deep breath, mommy. 
and she's breathing with me. She's telling me to calm down because Abigail was having a meltdown. And it was like, I'm glad you're here to support. So she's the kind of person that when Abby has a meltdown, she wants to go and find out what's happening to Abigail. If um, Abby needs time, she will tell me, Mommy, it's okay. I'll get it done. Go do what you have to do with Abby. So she uh-huh. is so, yes. I thought I'm like, you're a, you're a, just a different child. She, I mean, as far as sharing space or being envious because I'm spending more time with Abigail, you don't see that from Makaya at all. She is so, so supportive. How old is she now? 11? Makaya is 10. 10, okay. 10 going on 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that mm-hmm. is a blessing, though. Mm-hmm. That is a blessing mm-hmm. to have a child with that temperament. And it is. Kind of caring it is. and connectedness. That's awesome. Have you it seen is. what it is? One thing I meant to share was uh, when Abby had her, 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 her meltdown, I remember at one point in time, Makai was trying to hold her down. And Makai is 10 years old. Abby's five. And Abby physically overtook Makai. <laughs> yes. And it's like, Makaya, that's okay. I know you're trying to help out, but Abigail is stronger at this time because when it's the meltdown there, you cannot, Sammy, I mean, like, where did this little girl's strength come from? She is so strong that me and Makaya both, is, one time James had to like physically pick her up, hold her until she could calm down. Uh-huh. And it was almost an hour. And I started to cry because it was like, I mean, when they're going through, there's nothing you can do. You cannot, I mean, you, they don't want you hugging them. They don't want you touching them. And it's like, okay, but I don't want you to hurt yourself. Um, so it, it's, inter- it's something when they have meltdowns. I was going to ask you, you know, have you seen uh, families uh, with other, you know, like, you know, MMA's family who, you know, that have one older daughter who, you know, like they had uh, Makaya, she's fine. And then they have another child and that, you know, there are issues, you know, trying to, to uh, where the parents are focusing on the child with ASD and you see the other kids start acting up. Have you seen that? And what? No, not, I have no. not. I have not. I, I, no, I know families. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple of friends of mine that have the um, uh, older one that has ASD, the younger one doesn't, or the other family that I'm uh, friends with, the younger one has ASD and the older one doesn't. But I've never seen where they try to favor one kid. And you know what? What I've come to realize is they're smart kids. They understand. It's just that they don't know. She doesn't know how to verbalize or communicate what she's going through. But Abigail... If I give her a book, she will read it. Abigail used words, and I'm like, where'd she learn that from? Abigail counts in Spanish. She knows colors in Spanish. Abigail sings Spanish songs. It's like, where did you learn it? Abigail gets on the computer, and she spells. My sister's like, Emma May, did you know this girl could spell? I mean, she gets on the phone, and what she needs to find, she will sell it on YouTube, and she will find her video. So they're smart kids, so and yeah. I don't like to. Yeah, I don't like to put um thing like something's wrong with her. I know there she cannot communicate, but if I'm telling her something, she understands it. When yeah, she's yeah. doing something wrong, 
and I said, stop it, she knows that something's wrong. Now, the only thing is when she gets to that meltdown stage, it's hard to get her back. But when she's in a good mood, she understands it. She knows what it is. And, you know, this brings me to when I think about our children back home. And that has given me the, the passion to want to do something when it comes to children in Liberia or in Africa. We tend to hide those kind of things. Um, I look back after I've, I've started dealing with Abigail and autism, I look back to our growing up in Liberia. They fill kids a lot because common sense, they say the kid is dumb. Um, kids that wouldn't talk, they call them stupid or bobo. Um, kids that wouldn't catch up with other kids, they said, they used negative words to them. But we never knew that this was a mental problem that these that was, kids yeah. were. That was it, the lack of knowledge, yeah. People didn't exactly. know. When these kids are smart because whatever you're speaking to them, it starts to affect them. And that's when I've come to realize that we've, we've really kept our children behind because we did not understand what autism was. Mm-hmm. And it hurts because as kids, we all tease or laugh at other kids because we thought they were dumb, we thought they were bobos, we thought they were stupid, but it was a mental problem that they were dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we didn't know. The teachers didn't know how to deal with it. The teachers put them down because of those things. The teacher, uh, they, got, they got left behind, a class behind because, oh, they're dumb. Mm-hmm. They don't understand. Go sit over there. I ain't got time to teach you that. But these kids are learned. They learn in a different way. We just need yeah. to figure out how to teach these kids to, uh, um, to get them to where they're supposed to be. I used to say it to myself there that there's no dumb kids. It's just how you deal with them mm-hmm. and learn. Finding out with having a child now that's autistic, I've had more patience with children. People be like, "You got patience with children?" Oh no, now I have patience with children. Because I have to deal with one that has problems. One is way ahead. Makaya is uh, in a gifted program. She she ninety under ninety nine percentile skill when it comes to her education. Makaya at uh, two years old she was reading. She knew her address. She knew phone numbers. She knew everything. And then here comes Abigail. I have to redirect my thinking. I have to to go back and change things because we have two children on the totally different skill. So I cannot say Makaya is better than Abigail or Abigail is better than Makaya because they're learning differently. You just have to have patience with them. And that hurts because our children in Liberia or in Africa are suffering because of this. And mm-hmm. parents hide it. It's nothing to hide. I was, I had a, yeah, I had when I did my program the other day, uh, I talked about it like no parents wants a child with any disability. When I saw the baby, I saw a beautiful baby, 10 fingers, 10 toes, everything physically looked normal. But little did I know that mentally there was some problem Mm -hmm. until you get to come to that point and realize that you want a kid that can talk back to you. You want a kid that can laugh when when it's funny. You want a kid that can ask you questions and you have one that can't do those things. And people are like, well, you you accepting it. I'm like, I'm accepting it because now that I know, 
but it's not something I'm accepting it with the fact that I, uh, uh, it's going to be that way of life. No, I, I also have faith in God because everything God gives us is to test you. I say there is no mistake in him giving me a child with autism. I love children. I, I was a foster parent before, and I had a kid that was similar to Abigail, but I didn't know what autism was. Until now, I have Abigail. Now it's teaching me more to accept other kids. Um, I was in the plane a couple of years ago with Abigail, and my prayer was, please don't let her, please don't let her have a meltdown. Please let her just sleep. And there was this mother was sitting all the way in the back. And this woman was so frustrated with other kids. And there were two other kids that were traveling, and they were just playing like normal kids. That she told them, y'all need to shut up. Y'all need to go to sleep. Y'all need to do this. I'm like, why she keeps talking to these kids? They're kids. They're going to play. You can expect them to do what you're doing. You want to sleep. They're not going to sleep. And in that same token, I'm praying, please don't let my daughter do this mm-hmm. because I know she's already upset. In about 15 minutes for the plane to land, Abby just decided to have a meltdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I, I mean, the tears were in my eyes because this woman was so frustrated. As soon as the plane stopped, she was like, I'm glad this is over with. And she's making all these statements. And I looked at her for a minute. I said, you know what? God bless you. I hope you don't have to deal with kids like this. Maybe yours are grown and they are fine. But others that have to deal with this, you don't understand their pain. And after we got out of the plane, a lady walked up to me and she said, is it okay I give you a hug? Mm. And I said, well, she said, I understand what you're going through. I have a kid that has autism. And I, was, I, I just started bawling because it's like, wow, if you don't know, the kid looks normal and you think they're being disrespectful, you think they're just throwing a tantrum, but you don't understand what that kid's mind is. Some things, Abby, Abby, we'd be in a room and everything's fine. And all of a sudden, Abby will hold her ears like, what, is there a noise that's going on? She will start to scream. But it's like, there's nothing to us. The environment is fine. Mm -hmm. To us, everybody's watching TV as normal. But for her, there is something that has stimulated. And now she is going into that place where you have to find you have to bring her back. Like, how do I help her to get back? We shut off the TV. We turn everything off. I put her headset on and try to calm her down. And those are some of the things when people don't understand it. They're like, this child is, this child is spoiled, but it's not, they're not spoiled. It's just a problem they are dealing with and don't know how to communicate it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what does your um, support system look like? Um, my sisters, my siblings, they are all supportive. Uh, I love them. They love them some Abigail. They mm-hmm. poor Abigail. My sister, as soon as Abigail jumped, careful, she's gonna hurt herself. I'm like, no, she's not gonna hurt herself because she's so active. But they, everyone looks out for Abigail, and at church they look out for Abigail. Um, at school, the, the people on the school bus, everyone, they're so supportive. They all understand. At first, people didn't know what it was and, um, in my community, the church. Um, I had this older lady. It was funny one time. And my husband was like, that's okay. Just leave her alone. But a much older lady, one of the grandmothers in the church, and she grabbed Abigail one day, and she's like, I'm talking to you. Look at me. Why can't you look at me and shut up and be still? 
And I was so upset. And my husband looked at me. He's like, that's okay. Calm down. She doesn't understand. She doesn't know. No, she didn't know at all. So Abby's in church, and she's jumping and screaming and doing some things. And it's like, she will pull Abby Gill and sit down here. You look here. You're too much. You need to sit down and be quiet. So I would take her out. I'm going to take her outside. And I would take Abigail outside. So one Sunday, one of the ladies was like, you know what? I need to go to your house. I want us to pray for Abigail. I'm like, okay, this is a perfect time. This is another grandma. I'm like, I'm going to get all these grandmas together and then bring them over to the house. And she was one of the grandmas brought over. And then I said, before you pray, let me just explain what Abigail's situation looks like. And then when I explained it, she started, and her whole demeanor changed. And she could see she didn't understand, but now that she knew, she felt so sorry. Mm-hmm. And she said, I will pray for Abigail. And I'm like, I understand. You didn't know. I don't have, it does, it's not written on her face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you see her, you see a normal five-year-old. Until you stopped to talk to her, we went to a wedding uh, in February, and uh, the lady saw Abigail pretty all dressed up. Hi, beautiful. How are you? What's your name? And Abigail's just standing there twirling her fingers and, how old are you? And Abigail didn't say nothing. And I looked at her and she looked at me. I'm like, it's okay. Uh, she wouldn't answer you. That. So she's like, oh, okay, that's okay. And then we went on talking. But uh, people automatically expect a kid that looks normal to act normal. But then you come to realize that she's not your normal five-year-old if she's five. And that's the, yeah. the, the tricky thing with autism, you know, you, you, when, they, when a child or a person is blind, you can see that. When exactly. you know, the child or the person is diagnosed with um, um, Down syndrome, you can see that. But autism, yeah. you can't. And so people have these expectations of a person that they see looking typical and normal, and they expect these things, and it can be hard for the families and the parents, which then leads me to my next question. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do to take care of yourself? Because I know this is hard. You and your family, you and your husband. What do you guys do for you? I love to play Scrabble. Mm-hmm. So, um, at the end of the day, when everyone goes to bed or when I have my little downtime, I take my Scrabble uh, on, on the computer and I play Scrabble. Uh, when they all go to bed, my husband loves African movies. We'll play some Afri- watch some African movies, but... It seemed like I don't under like before Abigail. It's like I don't know what it used to be like. <laughs> so besides, when I'm home, it's Abigail and Micaiah. Is Abigail makes me work? Oh my goodness, especially now. At least she had eight hours, or yeah, about eight hours where she was going to between school and therapy. So I had that time off when she's going in the morning. I will read. I will do my my words of encouragement. I will clean up. I will do this. But now she's home. Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I have time by myself, like right now, I will run up to one of the rooms she would not normally go into, and I will hide there and play my, my scrabble, or I'll go in my closet and close the door, and she wouldn't know I'm there. And then that when she finds big sister or sits with daddy. So she's like my coattail. When she sees me, she sits by me, she plays. When I move from one area and go to another, she follows me there and do what she's doing. So she's, like, attached to me. So when she's asleep, when she's with Grandma, I find my quiet time and just um, play my Scrabble, talk to friends, or my husband and I will watch an African movie when they're going to sleep. 
Do you have your own therapist? No, I do not. No. <laughs> no. Okay. You know, not, not every family. <laughs> That's I, yeah. yeah. That's okay. Not every family feels that that's a necessary uh, service to have. Um, I guess my thing is my last or my uh, one thing is to, we're in um, Autism Awareness Month this month, correct? Yes. National. Let's say it properly. It is National Autism Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Can Tell us one or two things about your daughter that makes her special and unique and those things that you really and truly enjoy about her. Most definitely. Oh, I love Abigail. <laughs> she is the light of my life. I mean, she has the most beautiful and affectionate smile. Um, Abigail comes in when she laughs, her little black gum just shows and I'm like, oh, you're so beautiful. And um she has this thing, computer and her games help her talk with words. So for the longest, Abigail never said mommy. And she watches this video on her thing, on her iPad. And in this little video, in her video, this little um, character falls down and hurts herself. And she screams, mommy, mommy. So the first time I heard Abigail say mommy, mommy, I was so excited. I ran up like, yes, Abigail. And Abigail is still on her computer and <laughs> she's, repeating, <laughs> she's repeating everything the little girl is saying. And I was like, are you kidding me? I just thought she was talking to me. But no, she is just a sweetheart. I mean, everything about Abigail, she's so, um, what I want to say, she, she likes to play. She, she loves life. It's like, the house, Micaiah, it will be born without Abigail, I tell you. Abigail, when she's up and she's moving about, you know Abigail is in the house. Mm-hmm. Abigail does not give us a dull day. She keeps us busy. And I love that about Abigail. Um, I love the fact that when I say Abby hugs, she comes with this sumo wrestler hug. She don't know how to be gentle. I mean, one time my mom like, Abigail hugged, and she ran to my mom. She nearly knocked her off her feet. I'm like, Abigail, learn to be gentle. So she knows what hug is now. So when you said Abigail hug, you got to follow it by gentle. If you don't say gentle, you will get that sumo hug. Get the sumo hug. Yes. <laughs> you said Abigail hug, gentle, and she will come and gently put her hands around you and give you a hug. She is so sweet. She, I mean... Her smile is so infectious. Um, when she laughs, everybody laughs along with her. Um, she's such an adorable kid to be around. You, Like I say, autism is not written on her face. You would not know if you has autism. Um, this month, as uh, Autism Awareness Month, it just wants people to know, people that don't know what autism is, mm-hmm. people that just that see kids and uh, wonder what, what's going on with them. It's okay to ask, um, is she okay? What, uh, what can I do? Is there something I could do? There's nothing you can do um, when it comes to autism. Just love the kids. Just love them because there's nothing you can do for them but give them love. Mm-hmm. Um, things with them, is they, they're very repetitive. So sometimes you go into their, their thoughts. You try to go into their thoughts. 
Abigail plays the song over and over and over. And sometimes I get so frustrated with it, but instead of getting frustrated, I try to dance along with her song as she's dancing, and that makes her happy. Or I give her sticks, or she goes on the piano, and she figures out the lyrics to her song, and that is so rewarding. I'm teaching her piano. She loves the song Ricola, that Ricola tune. She loves it. <laughs> and it's like, what about this song? So I'm teaching her a piano, doing her lessons with her, and she gets frustrated, and I would hit the Ricola tune, and then that would bring her back, and she would play Ricola, and then she's laughing, and it's the most funniest thing to her. Man, we just, those little moments I cherish. You don't take those for granted. Those are the moments you cherish, where you watch your child. They get to five years old. They're doing this. It's a big milestone. But for parents with children of autism, it's a big milestone when they do the little thing. Abigail was struggling with getting dressed. And I give Abigail her clothes, put her pants on. And she's standing there. She's like, uh-oh. It's like she doesn't know her pants on. And then she drops it. And I'm like, it's okay. And when I give her and she finally put one foot in there, she's like, yay. And I'm like, yay, she did it. And we're all excited. We get happy because of those little things. But those are so important because you see that they're struggling to get this done. Going to the bathroom, we were so excited when Abby went by herself. Mm-hmm. And she would pick, hold your hand. Yes. She would hold your hand from school and therapy. She would say, potty time. And you know she wants to go to the bathroom. And it's such a big, I mean, it's huge mm-hmm. for parents with kids that autistic, they're five and seven years old, and they're still not potty trained. And for Abby to be at that stage, and she's potty trained, and she'll tell you potty time, you're excited. So those little things, we're so excited for the little milestones we look forward to. So as other similar awareness must just be mindful when you see a kid sometimes screaming, and you say they're having tantrums. Sometimes it's not just a normal tantrum. Mm-hmm. It's a parent trying to deal with a kid that has some mental problems. Um, so we have to be aware. We have to be wise. We have to just be able to understand sometimes. Uh, went to the restaurant one time. My husband and I, with Abby and, and Makai, when you go to social places, your fingers are crossed like, please, God, don't let her have this meltdown. Please, it's the time you're praying that she doesn't show up. And we went to the restaurant, and Abby cried and cried, and people are just looking like, I told James, I'm like, we, we, we can't stay. I'm going to go in the car, just let them order the food, and we bring it out, and we have to leave. Mm. And, yeah, those are things. People stay away from going out because of the kids. But we just have to educate people that it's, it's okay. They, they have problems, too. We just need to be mindful in how we deal with the parents because parents also are struggling with it. And we just have to be mindful and be understandable, understanding when it comes to these things. What words of encouragement do you have for another family out there in a similar situation who probably doesn't, you know, don't have the kind of support that you have and uh, probably new to all of this? What would you say to them? Um, For anyone that's going through it, one thing is you're not alone. Especially if you're African from um, African background. It's nothing to be shy about because we tend to hide these things and then we suffer because of that. 
You don't have to hide it. There is help out there. You just need to find the help that is given. There's so many. I mean, I was overwhelmed when they gave me the book. There's so many help out there you can tap into. Um, there's so many people that are going through the same thing. You think you're the only one. Trust me. There are some stories that I hear and tears just come down my eyes because it's like she's five. She's going to get to that stage. I wonder what she is going to look like. Sometimes I sit back and be like, hmm, what if something happens to me? What's going to happen to her? Is she going to get that love, that care, like I am giving her? And those are some of the things that I go through. Those are some of the things that I think about. So know that someone out there is experiencing exactly what you're experiencing, and there's help from someone. You just need to call out to someone that is able to help you. You can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. It, I, I mean, it is not possible. With all, If you're thinking that you can do it on your own, the older they get, the, most, the difficult it gets. The older they get, things change. So realize that there's so many help out there. Please find help. Don't give up. Don't let it stress you out. You have to take care of yourself. You got to find time for yourself and realize that God does not give us anything that we're not able. (laughs) He knows what you're capable of. And through it all, he's there for you and he's there with you. So just hang in there. Be strong and God bless you. So much, Emma, for sharing your story with us. Mm. I mean, we are, I mean, it's a blessing to have you here. Um, Thank you again for all you're doing for Abigail. I know she appreciates it. Um, And no, she may not show it as you think, but it makes a difference later. And as I was telling you, speaking with my friend yesterday, her daughter now is um, over almost 30. And so, you know, just talking to her and you just reflecting on 20 years ago when I worked with her and those kind of things. And um, she's, she's, she's okay with me, you know, talking about her on here. So we've already mentioned this in the past. Um, yeah. But just knowing and talking and watching her story and seeing how, she, how far she's come and where her daughter is today, um, you can tell just kind of talking to her on the phone and video that her daughter understands that mom has mm-hmm. been a consistent figure in her life. And mom, yeah. mom and dad. They've been consistent mm-hmm. figures. So they're, you know, if caregivers come and go, but you guys are consistent. You're there. You're the one doing the work. You're the one making all the changes, advocating on behalf of this child. And, mm-hmm. you know, she appreciates, she'll know, I mean, she knows that you guys are like the rock and the, the people that are there always. So thank you for everything you're doing for her. Um, just thank mm-hmm. you for this advocacy and just being out here and sharing your story. And I know it will touch and bless somebody. Yeah, Emma May, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story. Um, Abigail is so blessed. She is so blessed to have a family like, you know, the one that she's born into. She is so blessed to have you as a mom, James as her dad, you know, a wonderful big sister, Micaiah, you know, who understands, you know, even at this young age. Um, Yeah. Thank God for your family, and I pray that He would give you guys grace and the strength, you know, that you need to to raise this beautiful girl. So, thank you yeah. so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Enjoy talking to you, ladies. Thank right. you for the program, and I pray someone gets um will hear this, and um, if they are going through, they can find the help they need. 
Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Wadi. Bye, ladies.